ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ವಂದೇ ಜಗತ್ಗುರು so in the last class we were studying the 10th shloka of the third chapter of shrimad bhagavad gita where we find that the concept of yajna has been introduced so what the shloka was sahayajna praja srishtva purovacha prajapati anena prasavishvadhyam esha vostishta kamadukh so the prajapati the brahma so having in the beginning created the human kind together with the yagya what he said he said by this you shall prosper this shall be the milch cow the kamadhen the milch cow of your desires and as in the last class we were discuss- discussing to have a very quick recapitulation that synergy and symbiosis are the laws of nature that's the rhythm so when that ultimate reality which is beyond any causation because of ignorance finds expression as this universe then <clears throat> this expression is always <clears throat> bound within certain laws in the physical world we find the physical laws are there which are universal and even in our mental world in our so called day to day life we will find that there are the moral laws in all the religion they speak of do's and don'ts the commandments and in the modern days we think that they are just man made but as per the uh, society is concerned in the olden days most probably they were applicable they were not applicable in the present day but we will find that by not following them we do have the choice but by not following them we already have started realizing that we have done some historical blunders in the present day as per the environment is concerned the global warming the pollution all this is because we never were aware of the fact of the synergy which is the basic law behind the entire creation so we were in the mode of exploitation so we thought <clears throat> that by exploiting nature we can prosper <clears throat> so we were not giving importance to the concept of yajna so as we were indicating that the evolution 
as per the Darwin's theory of evolution, which is a now an accepted fact that there is, of course, the struggle for existence, there is variety, and then there is the struggle for existence, and those who are the fittest, they survive. But it was wrongly interpreted. In the 18th century, 19th century Europe, we will find in the philosophy of Nietzsche, the idea is that if there is variety, and if there is struggle for existence, those who are not equipped to survive will in the long run perish. So why not to accelerate the evolution? We ourselves take the responsibility to annihilate those who are not up to, uh, who are not there to cope up with the challenges of nature. That they are going to be extinct. Why not we? And we find the Nietzsche is saying that go back to the history. You see the Roman culture, the Greek culture. There's no question of uh, cooperation. It was all cruelty. How cruel they were. And with that, they have shown their might and they were at the apex of civilization, the glorious past. And when Swami Vivekananda went to the West, he was aware of those ideas. He was a very keen student of history. And he found that in that we are, have started this so-called civilization, have started digging its own grave. He was saying that the entire Europe is as if sitting on the apex of a volcano to burst out anytime. Why that idea he found prevailing, that, that everywhere he found that the exploitation was the rule of the day. There was a competition for colonialism. That among the human, all are not same. Those rest whom they thought to be not that evolved. They felt it's quite right to exploit them for our own, uh, what do you say, that own evolution, all abhudaya, their social welfare. And Swami Vivekananda in one of his lectures indicating that if the Roman culture, the Greek culture, which you always exemplify as the ideal of human civilization, if that was there, where are they? They become extinct. You are just citing the example of the days of their glory, but could they maintain it? They're gone. They're nowhere there. Where they were ruling, the, the spiders are weaving the cobwebs there. Nothing remains. It's just ruins and ruins alone. So where have they gone? And then we find in many places, Swami Vivekananda is vehemently opposing the, the way that Darwin's theory was being interpreted. And in the last class, we just indicated that he told that evolution never happened through the competition that you speak of. It might have happened accidentally in one or two places through competition, but the general norm of evolution is through cooperation, is through synergy. And in a very simple way, he gives an example. Let's take the example of a theater, a fully full pack, that's full house theater, where some theatrical performance is going on. 
and suddenly there is an announcement that there is fire. Please move out, exit. And we find all becomes frantic. They're all running hither and thither. There's a huge chaos, there's stampede, only a few could escape. Most of them are just burnt alive. And there's a huge disaster. After saying this, Swamiji is asking, would you say that the few who escaped are more evolved? It was most probably a matter of chance. Most probably they were sitting near the exit. Somehow they managed. They have to create the cows and somehow they have managed. Such type of evolution do have happened in few cases, but that's not the general. The general norm throughout the history of the entire existence is what he's saying that in the same theater, after the announcement, if the people would have decided, you will find even when you are in the plane, they say that in the case of mishap, that you have to form a crew. The same thing in the theater Swami is saying that don't be impatient, don't panic, just calmly form a queue and try to come out of the hall slowly. If they would have cooperated that way, most of the people would have came out. And Swamiji is saying most of the evolution has happened that way. When Swami Vivekananda was saying this, the idea of synergy, the symbiosis was yet to develop in the modern biology. They were yet to keenly study the nature to find out that it is, yes, the competition was there, but it's not that, that only those who were equipped better to face the challenges of life, they have evolved. There are many creatures who are not, who are, who are supposed to be extinct, still exist because there was synergy, cooperation. To give a common example, that when the well, who is a predator, when sometimes he will be simply relaxing with its mouth open and the small fish know very well that this is the time when we, if we enter into the mouth of the well, there's a reason why they want to enter, that the well with its all the teeth, with stuck up with all the flesh, the teeth like, like any other creature that will get infected. It will fall off if it is not clean. The small fish know that now the well has opened the mouth, is relaxing, it's the time, it's not going to devour us. It is this small fish they will enter and they will, it's their food. They will go on plucking up all the spit bits of fleshes which has got stuck between the teeth. And the well will never close its mouth. The predator, this though being a predator, it's never going to close its mouth. And this two, this well and this small fish, they exist together, or the shark. It's not the well, actually the shark. When the shark is moving, they're also moving with them. They never harm each other. They know it's a win-win situation. That we exist, you also exist, I also exist. Like that innumerable, throughout nature, there are innumerable examples of this synergy, which has resulted in the evolution. So as in the last class we were saying, if we take the meaning of yajna just as the fire sacrifice, it won't make any sense. It just mystifies the subject that when 
God created the creation, he created humankind and he taught them this yajna and you should do yajna. Yes, there are many who will interpret this mantras this way, but it has no, as such, it makes no sense. Yajna means here, this idea of interdependence, this idea of give and take. In this society, I simply cannot just simply take without giving. This give and take is a basic principle of life, without which existence is not possible. So this, that, our, that nowadays we find, even in biology, they have started saying that our genes are altruistic. It's very interesting. A few decades early, there was a book, which, which was really one of the best readers. The name of the book was The Selfish Genes. Just see how the ideas have changed. The selfish genes, the genes are selfish. It always directs us to be selfish. The same biological science has evolved to understand that no, it is not selfishness. It is altruism that is behind the law of creation. The law of creation follows altruism, not selfishness. Then are we not selfish? In the words of Swami Ranganathananda, we are all selfish, but we have to be in that's, that our selfishness should be enlightened, enlightened selfishness. What is that enlightened selfishness? That I do want to exist, but for my existence, cooperation is required. To a certain extent, I have to go out and think of others if I really want my own welfare. For my own welfare, I need to help others. Just in India, I was in some of the very remote areas where a very common problem was there. What's that? That the road as per the council plan is, is supposed to be quite wide, but all the residents will start encroaching that as much as possible, as much as possible. And they will make a boundary wall. And as most of the people are doing, even sometimes council becomes helpless because they know if they go and just simply use bulldozer, there will be huge, like a uh, revolt because most of the people have done that and in the mean the process what has happened that selfishness that utter selfishness to get a little more land have forced them almost to encroach the public property the, the road and very interesting if someone of them becomes a bit rich so as to afford a personal car they cannot buy they cannot the road is so narrow the car cannot go if there is a fire in someone's house, the fire brigade cannot enter. If someone is sick, ambulance cannot enter. So our selfishness is at the cost of our own welfare. Why? We didn't have that idea of yajna. But in this society, to exist, give and take is the basic law. We have to cooperate with the collective goodness if we really want our individual welfare. For the collect collective welfare, I have to take care of. And this idea of synergy is the what is meant by the word yajna in the Bhagavad Gita, when this idea of yajna has been introduced in the third chapter. So now let's proceed to the next mantra, next sloka. The next few sloka also will be elaborating on the same idea of the synergy. The 11th sloka of the third chapter, what it says, Devan Bhavayata Anena. 
devan bhavayata anena that's devan bhavayata anena te deva bhavayantu vah parasparam bhavayantah this parasparam bhavayantah is the most significant phrase in this sloka parasparam bhavayantah shreya param avapsat if you want shreya if you want the real good shreya means that which is the best that which is really good for us that is shreya but if you want shreya that param shreya the supreme good if you want in your life if you want to gain it avapsat means to gain if you want to gain the supreme good in this life then what you have to do devan bhavayat anena te deva bhavayantu vah so this is the idea which is we spoken about what is that cherish the devas with the concept with this this what has what is this this the concept of yagya which has been spoken of in the previous sloka that is being indicated by vah this so cherish that uh, make them glad make the devas glad by this yagya and let the devas also cherish you with this yagya so this is the idea of give and take so thus cherishing one another parasparam bhavayanta you think of my welfare i think of welfare this is the parasparam bhavayanta <clears throat> so when we do this that will result in the highest good you will gain the highest good so the sloka once more we read devan bhavayat anena te deva bhavayantu vah so that you cherish the devas and in return let the devas cherish you and by cherishing each other parasparing parasparam bhavayanta by taking care of the welfare of each other you will attain the supreme good the absolute goodness which has been the highest good which has been spoken of you will attain that by this give and take so here we will find that the idea of yagya is the synergy is the law of interdependence but here now bhagavad gita will give a particular example and that example is of course a very very important example which even applies to our modern life we are actually uh, finding the we are we are actually realizing its need more intensely at present than it was ever in the past that's the example they will give from the next sloka that's when we will find that what is saying that here the devas indicate the personified forces of nature like indra varuna what what are they they are the personified force of nature personified forces of nature that indra the god of rain varuna the god of wind so these are the forces of nature which has been personified so you think of their welfare in turn they will think of their welfare so it is again this question of this cooperation evolution speaks of the cooperation parasparam bhavayanta take and give you take something but in return you give this is the nature of the healthy how what is the environmental relation if you have want a healthy environmental relation without give and take only by mere exploitation i can never survive 
And today we are realizing it more intensely. You'll find all the evils of consumerism, this increased industrialization, global warming, all these are because we forgot that we have to cooperate with the nature. In our scriptures, they speak of pancha yagya, five types of yagya, bhuta yagya is one of them. Bhuta yagya, that even in our life of Holy Mother, we find a very interesting thing that after uh, peeling of the vegetables for cooking, someone was going to throw the pills just in the bin. And mother told, immediately told, why are you throwing it in the bin? They had this, you know, that's the cows and all. So what you don't want, most probably it is needed by someone else. Give it to the cows. Don't throw it. Or you can, in the present day, we know that we are using it for that, what you say that as, that we will be just fermenting it and then we'll be using it as a fertilizer. So all this idea that just only you don't take think of exploitation, give something back to the nature. Now, this idea we totally forgot. In the, in the 18th century, we find that at Francis Bacon, when the science was being, making wonderful discoveries, a lot of inventions were happening, happening. The quotation which we all know, what is the quotation that's very oft quoted uh, passage is, knowledge is power. We think it's a very, uh, what you say, a very nice quotation that knowledge is power. But the origin of it is something very, very devious. That Francis Bacon, when he quoted, when he coined this phrase that knowledge is power, the idea behind it was that the nature is like a very rich lady. She's a lady, woman, that nature is a woman, and she's extremely rich. But she never wants to share her wealth. She won't give it to you. So knowledge is your power by which you can forcefully take away from nature what it doesn't want to give you. Dig in the ground, you get the fuel. Everything it speaks of knowledge. That the land which can yield your, this, what you say, the your crops, use fertilizer, it will give more. So in all way, we were using our knowledge to exploit, to extract from the nature. And that was the thing which was indicated by the phrase, knowledge is power. And that became the mantra, that became the mantra of our civilization. That we were just simply extracting without thinking of giving it back. And as we always say, the society became carcinogenic, like a cancer patient. In the cancer patient, what happens? The cancer cells are in the behaves in the same way. They take nutrients from the body, but they won't follow the dictates of the body. So the body grows in a particular balanced way. It's that we find that or all the organs, everything, they're all growing, but they're growing in a very balanced way. But these carcinogenic cells, they want to grow beyond this without following the, the balance which is already in the body. They want to outgrow. And that's how the tumor is formed. From the, the rate in which they're supposed to multiply, they, are, so they start multiplying at a much faster rate. And that forms the tumor, that outgrowth. And then at last we find that the, with the death of the person, those cells have also died. 
So that's what is the situation which we are in. Even a few days back, I met a young boy, suddenly told that the old civilizations are barbaric. They have no culture. Isn't it that we are, that in the present civilization is much more educated, much more civilized? So just I asked that boy very calmly, just see this old civilization, which you say are barbaric. They have no education, no culture. They were existing for 50,000, 60,000 years. That's what, as per history, we can trace back. For how long they're staying, we don't know. Just the aborigines of Australia, we say 50,000, 60,000 years there. And we came, invaded them, they are barbaric. We are having culture. And in 200 years, we don't know whether we will exist another 100 years or not. Now say who is more civilized? Who are barbaric? The barbarics are the one who comes and attacks other and at the same time spoils their uh, uh, way of living. And at the same time, they don't know how to maintain their own existence. They are barbaric. So isn't it we who are barbaric? The so-called we who identify ourselves with the modern civilization? that it came and destroyed the civilizations which were there for thousands of years, quite well adjusting with nature. And then we come in the name of our education, in the name of our old advancement, come and exploit them. And now we ourselves don't know where, where to go, that we are as if in the verge of extinction ourselves. This global warming, everything, we are like helplessly, we are just witnessing just the floods, the forest fire, the bushfire, everything. Nothing we have control over with all our science, with all our technology. We have dug our own grave. In the name of liberation, woman liberation, we all find in this world a very interesting thing. With all this movement we think is going to change the world. That for thousands of hundreds of years, uh, there was a lot of exploitation, but at the present, you will find what? In the name of this all liberation movement, you go to house. Can you disagree to the fact that domestic violence has not increased? Family violence has not increased? What has happened? Because in the name of freedom, we want our own freedom at the cost of others. In most of the places, that's the reason you will find, you will find that the basic cause of all our suffering, I want my freedom trampling over others' freedom. We don't have that idea of let us respect each other. And in the present, you will find that this divorce rate, violence, family violence has increased intensely. Government has to spend a lot of money for all <clears throat> for coping up with all those problems. The present civilization, because of its stupidity, does all sorts of mistake, and it is a diseased society, and government, to sow its compassion, has to just take prevention measures, not, uh, sorry, the cure measures, instead of taking the prevention measures. Why it has happened? Because there was no preventive measures. We have allowed them to happen, and now <clears throat> it's a fake compassion, is what? Oh, let us go and cure them. Where was the preventive measure? No preventive measures. The preventive measure is parashparang bhavayanta. <clears throat> Respect each other. In the present world, we think of equality. And that equality is like the equality of the crabs. 
if you keep a if what you say that a number of crabs say 10 20 crabs in one say a pot the pots uh, the pot is open that <clears throat> it is not covered it is open and the crabs are inside the pot they can easily come out, come out. they start crawling it's a very interesting thing these crabs can never come out when one start crawling up the other will drag it down and none of them can come out so they all are inside the pot easily they can all come out but they won't come out because they each are dragging each other and there's they just have to be bound in that pot alone in the present world with all our so-called uh, the culture and civilization we will find this equality isn't just in dragging, nothing else. For everywhere we will find that one is, people are very conscious about others' rights and privileges, and they think that is transgressing the social structure, and they will just use the law, use everything to bring others down. And then we are all equal. This is, this is, this is one way, but the Vedanta, the Gita speaks of equality not by pulling them each other, but by just raising up. How? By respecting each other. I revere you as a Deva, you revere me as a Deva. The God is within me, the God is within you. We respect, we, we acknowledge that fact that you are divine, I am divine. If you see the marriage ceremony, very interesting. There, the the bride is supposed to think as the, the groom, as the Shiva. And many I have seen has complained that, oh, our culture has, because after, after being influenced by the, this modern education, because this, sometimes little learning can be a very dangerous thing. They say that, that I am supposed to think, him, uh, think the husband as Shiva, and he has the right to exploit me throughout the life. I thought that's a total misunderstanding. Just if you go to the marriage right, you will find a wonderful thing. You will find in all the so-called Hindu marriages, the groom, he will be having something sharp in his hand. It is either a knife, small knife, or it is called that, you know, the betel cutter, betel nut cutter, something sharp in his hand. Many doesn't, they just follow this ritual without knowing why is this something sharp is there. Even some things the Rajputs will be having the sword. They say it is just to show their valor. No, it is not. The significance of the ritual is very interesting. This, the idea is the man who is having that, the sharp thing, the sharp thing, what it signifies, the one with I'm going to get married. She is Shakti. She is the feminine principle of the divine. With her cooperation, I am going to cut the bondage of ignorance, Maya. And this knife signifies that, that the bondage of Maya I am going to cut with the cooperation of this person. So it is not that the bride has to think of the groom as Shiva. The groom has to think of the bride as the Shakti. This is the Parasparang Bhavayata. Have respect for each other. So that in the moderns in the name of freedom, all the liberation movement, that idea itself is lacking. That my freedom is not at the cost of others. Let us try to accommodate. 
you will find in a, a small child when he goes to the school the father gives him some pocket money when he comes back the mcdonalds is there to lure him he enters and whatever he finds he takes he never thinks the moment he has the need for gratification he goes and immediately gratifies the same person when he has grown up he is married it's not that the mcdonald doesn't lure him anymore still it lures him and now he has more money in his pocket than he used to have as a student but when he now really feels like having something the moment he is approaching now he is a responsible person the first thing what happens in his mind his family's members will come into his mind my son my daughter my wife they are there so what i do what he will do he will go and buy the things go at home share with them a small child the irresponsible child was just satisfied in gratifying his own uh this all the so called the gratifications but the moment what speaks of the responsibility he has grown up he is sharing with others this parasparam bhavayant if it is not there the society cannot exist that the basic law of the society of any civilization is renunciation and service as swami vivekananda used to say tyaga seva that this man who is who is now a responsible family member he renounces his own desire to certain extent yes not and service first let me go and just serve it to others and then i also take along with them so this is the idea of parasparam bhavayanta and for that we should have patience we should have have to practice that as we know in the present society that immediate immediate the need for gratification as a child when he is growing up the parent thinks just whatever the child wants let me give him they are almost pampered they never learn the art of the patience that it is not that everything i want i will be uh, uh, met with immediately the same child grows whenever he finds any obstruction in the way of this desire he is a tremendous rage because he has never learned he was pampered he was never learned that it's not that what you want will be given immediately the law of nature is not like that all our violence is because of that that what i want i do not get immediately that let us think of others welfare let us to certain extent sacrifice my own that feeling of goodness that always i want to be good it never happens and this fight leads to where that as we are not respecting each other most of the time i think i am as if burning in a frying pan i think i have to get rid of it and i jump and where i fall i fall in the oven used to be all in the present society in the name of freedom we are constantly jumping from the frying pan to fall in the oven and find the situation is still worse so that's why sri ramakrishna that ill so called uh, as per the modern way of education is concerned he is illiterate he is not illiterate but that's what we generally define him that such an illiterate person what nice thing he is saying that in indian alphabet there are 3s 1s when you are pronouncing when your tongue touches the teeth upper upper teeth upper jaw so that s one pronunciation another s with a hissing sound when the middle of your tongue touches the top and another s when the tongue when there your tongue rolls to touch the top sh sh s the three s 
Sri Ramakrishna has his own interpretation that why there are three S. Saw, Shaw, Shaw. Because then he used to say that he used to, after pronouncing these three S, Saw, Shaw, Shaw, he used to say, J Shoy, She Roy, J Na Shoy, Tar Nash Hoy. He could play, pun with the words. Such as, just see how nicely this is very difficult to translate in English. J Shoy, She Roy, the one who can have the patience, who can bear, forbear, the one who can forbear. He, Roy, he can, he can preserve himself. He can, uh, he preserves himself. He exists. He exists. The one who can forbear, he exists. J, Na, Shoy, the one who cannot forbear. Tar, Nash, Hoy. He's playing pun with the words. He gets destroyed, the one who cannot forbear. The basic principle of this life that if I really respect others, I I accept it that yes, I'm ready even to forbear some of the so-called trivial, uh, some difficulties in my life for the other. As long as this idea is not there, at last our life becomes a crooked journey, very crooked journey. As that story we have repeated so many times that in a, a hermit, a hermit used to stay in a small hermitage and so many people used to come for counseling. So one day one person came and told, I, my life is shattered. I've been betrayed by all. Everyone betrayed me. So I cannot believe in anyone. My life is totally shattered. So this hermit took this person to the backyard of the hermitage. And the fencing of that backyard was with the maple trees. And this hermit took that person near a maple tree which was extremely crooked. Its growth was crooked. It has not grown straight, not grown straight. And this hermit explained that when I purchased this property, these maple trees were already there, but they were all saplings. They were small. The previous owner thought that instead of using stump, he used these small saplings as the stump and nailed some barbed wire on them to create that fencing. And now the trees have grown. And now you see this tree has grown extremely crooked. Why? It was always revolting. That's why something should be nailed on me. It was constantly revolting. It never accepted the fact that something should be nailed on me. And its growth is so crooked. And now you come. He took him to another tree. The barbed wire has passed to the core of the tree. This is now a very big tree. The trunk is, has grown very thick. And the barbed wire has just gone through the center and the tree is straight. And this hermit told, see, this barb, this tree accepted the fact that it is going to be with me. I cannot escape from it. It is going to be with me. As he accepted, it has not in any way hindered its growth. What's the thing? In life, challenges will be there. As human beings, uh, Holy Mother used to say in very simple words that in your kitchen, when you keep the utensils together, there will be some tinkling noise. They will clash with each other. So when we as a human stay with together, we all are unique. We are not our same. We have varied temperament. There will be some conflicts and cooperation. That doesn't mean we have to simply fight and separate. These conflicts are okay. But at the same time, if that idea of Parashparang Bhavayanta is there, that I respect the divinity within you, you respect the divinity within me, 
and then we are ready to forbear that small, small, trivial difficulties of life. Then our growth can be like that straight tree, where there is that it has not become any way crooked. That's the lesson which we have to learn. These perennial philosophies are something which cannot be simply thrown in the trash box. It speaks of the laws and they are real laws because laws, it can be, if anything can be broken, that is no more a law. Law means that cannot be broken. If I try to break it, I will be shattered. It is not going to be broken. That's just as that we always say that gravity is a law. If you say, I don't believe in gravitation, you're not going to fly. You jump out from a 20 story building thinking, I don't believe in gravitation, I will fly. You're not going to fly. You will fall down and just clash and die, crash and die. So similarly, this Parashparang Bhavayanta, based on the concept of Yagya, is a law. With that, he has created, the Lord has created this creation, Sahayagya Prayasveshtva. Unless following that law, we have that attitude of Parashparang Bhavayanta, where we respect each other, so that, that we follow the law of give and take, that you cherish me, I cherish you. There cannot be any existence. We will be destroying the nature. We will be destroying our relations. We will be just everywhere there will be destruction. Destruction within the family, destruction in nature, destruction in society. Countries will be fighting, war between the nations. Everywhere you will find that everyone out of greed, when they thinks of only me, 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 all the so-called, this inter- uh, national, international fights, all the, is everything because of this idea of me alone, which leads to this type of destructive war. All the civilization, the which we brag of, has at last helped us to invent war, this, all the, this arms of destruction, nothing else, so sophisticated there. They can just simply kill us. They can simply annihilate the entire civilization. Is that the product of our civilization? Is that the product of our knowledge? So there we find the scripture very plainly saying, this is the law. You cannot break it. So, so to follow the law, have this idea of parashparang bhavayanta, give and take. So this is the thing which has been spoken of in this sloka. The next, next sloka, what it says, the same idea is being repeated. Ishtan bhogan hivo deva. Dasyante yagya bhavita tai dattan apradaya ebhya ya bhunte stena evasa. So, devas being cherished by the yagya will give you the desired for objects. Ishtan bhogan. Ishta means desired. All the bhoga, the objects of desire which you desire for. So, the deva will give you, dasyante will give you. Yagya, being, why they will give you? Being cherished by the yagyas. So just see this limited idea of yagya is being exemplified as the law of the entire universe. So they will, by being cherished by the yagyas, that, that what you are offering, they will give you back. The one who doesn't, what you say, if that who enjoys the objects, who enjoys the objects without giving to the devas, without offering, in return, they are verily a thief. Yo bhunte stena evasa. 
So if you just take the yajna, it means that after giving you can have the prasadam. That when you are having a worship, if you take it in a limited sense, that yes, that whenever I have something to uh, myself to have uh, to relish, I bring the first fruit, the first mango of the season, without taking it directly, I offer it to the divine, and then I have it as the prasadam. So here the idea of give and take is there that I offer it to the divine and then I'm having it as prasadam. But this is a limited sense. It is also good. It's not bad. That it helps to sublimate my emo- emotions. It helps to sublimate my passions. That the simple greed is getting converted into devotion. It's good. But here, if you take the yoga in that limited sense, its purpose, it's it will serve a very limited purpose. Yes, it will help me to grow spiritually by transforming, by sublimating my passions into devotion. But I like something, I offer and then have it as a prasadam. Then what happens? The thing which I like that I'm having, but now the devotion has got linked with it. So it's good. But if you take in the idea of yajna with which this Gita has, Bhagavan has used, you will find that it is not that limited yajna. In the next uh, succeeding slokas, the idea of yajna will be elaborated with an example that will speak of yajna, which is not meant in the limited sense, which speaks of some chakras, the cycles, the oxygen cycle, the nitrogen cycle, the rain cycle, all these cycles that will be cited. The rain cycle will be cited by Bhagavan, Sri Krishna in the 14th and in the 15th slokas. We will be just proceeding uh, to them gradually. So he says that unless you are following this idea, then what happens? You are actually like a thief. Without offering those who just uh, devour the all objects of sense, senses for their own for their own enjoyment for their for for their own relishment, they are thieves. And you must say, no, I have what I have acquired, whether I offer it or not. I have, I have the right to enjoy it. No, even in the present society, they will say it is not the fact. You, what you earn, do you have the right to enjoy totally? No, you have to pay taxes, isn't it? You have to pay taxes. We have to think of the collective good. If you don't pay tax, the one who steals, he's a thief. The one who doesn't pay tax, isn't he a thief? He's also a thief. That's the idea here. That if you are not paying the tax, you are a thief. That you have no right to enjoy without giving the due which the society has. So you have to pay back. When I was in Fiji, this you know the uh, Fijians, the they had no idea of cultivation, but still, a wonderful way they used to thrive. How how that the land is very fertile there. So they will go, they will just get the tapioca very easily. That it grows like anything. But when they are when they when they are harvesting the tapioca, very interesting. There itself, they will again plant a few of them there itself. If they just harvest the 10 of them, two of them, they will plant it there. And then the rest they will take. Because they know that from that, again, I'm going to get, going to get my next harvest. So though they're not doing any planned way of cultivation, but it, is, it was there for thousands of years. They were doing the same thing. So unless you are giving back 
what you get. You are a thief. That you will be resulting in the mass extinction of the flora and the fauna. If everything just is for me. The present, this, this, we had this COVID. <clears throat> the present COVID will find a wonderful thing that which now the sign that all the scientists are becoming aware of the fact that the extinction of the flora and fauna can affect us in a in, in the form of viral infection. In the, in the present day, the viral infection has become rampant. One after the other, it is coming. You the reason, you know, with the extinction of the flora and the fauna, especially of the fauna. Now, there are various virus who have the who actually feed on, they are thrive on some other animals. <coughs> and they have there is, and those animals are not suffering. Means as through lot through ages, those this virus they also want to survive. So when they find a host, at the beginning it will be havoc. It will be the cost of the life of that person because they will uh, go into the body of the host, start multiplying, and that person gets infected and dies. But gradually something is called endemic that they they will start coexisting because. Even the virus knows that if that person dies, his life is also over <coughs> because it is thriving on that person. So if it has to find out a way where both coexist, now with the extinction of a particular fauna, a particular animal is extinct. Now this virus will try to find a new host and it will take time for it to really again coexist with it in the process that there will be thousands of casualties. And that's what is happening. The present day, this all these viral infections, which has become rampant, is because of the mass extinction of the species, which has already started. So again, you will find that we, in the name of exploiting the nature, is killing us. It, it is just killing us in so many ways. That's, if you are still the law of the society, you will be punished. A thief cannot go without punishment. That's the thing. If he's caught, he's punished. And that's what is happening. The nature is punishing us. And that punishment has already is, is, has started, is going on. This is all these viral infections, which is threatening the very existence of the human species. That is a punishment. Punishment in the form of the global warming, in the form of domestic violence, in the form of pollution. In so many ways, we are being punished because we are stealing. We are stealing in two ways. One, we are exploiting the nature and sometimes, and in another way, we are not paying the taxes. We don't give back what we get from nature. This, so what is required is this understanding with the nature, with your other beings, with your relations. If that is not there, if that instead of understanding, if it's exploitation, it is at the cost of your own existence. And that is a law which Bhagwan is speaking again and again. So follow that law. Don't become the master. Don't think yourself as the master of the universe. Know that you are just a part of a bigger game. Just a part. Play your role there and be detached. That's the idea of Karma Yoga from a much broader sense. Bhagavan is building in here. That you are a part of a bigger game. Be aware of that bigger game and just play your part and don't start start, start grabbing too much. So there, that, that is the question of nispriha. 
the detachment comes but i just play my part in a, is a, i am aware of the bigger picture in that i have a role to play i play i do to sustain myself get from the nature but i have to give it back because that's the law of nature if i simply try to grab i become carcinogenic i die and i also destroy others so this is the idea bhagwan is gradually developing through all this uh, slokas one by one so this 13th the 14th the 15th the 13th sloka also what it says yagya shishta the remnants of the yagya after this offering what remains that you have the right for that yagya shishta that the remnants of the yagya ashi you know, the eaters of the remnants of the yagya santo muchyante sarvakil vishay he is freed from all the sins yes in many of the religious beliefs we find that we shouldn't take food uh, just uh, for our own self first we offer it to the divine and then we take and then we become cleansed if you take prasada it's a good idea and a limited idea is very good but we have to expand it in the idea that what's the idea that again that after offering that whatever i have got from the society that my education everything it is a society which has provided me i have now an i am now a responsible citizen my intention is to first serve the society and whatever remains for me if i take that then i am cleansed from all the sin and otherwise bhunjate te tu aghang papa ye pachanti atma karana but the one who cooks food only for themselves is committing sin it's not only the food his idea is that whatever you are enjoying only for yourself is resulting in sin so that's the idea which is we spoken of in the 13th sloka we will go on this discussion these discussions are very very relevant to for the enter for not only this present days it is relevant for as long as they uh, the, as we exist any creature on this earth exist these are relevant because they are the basic laws of nature we we forget them the nature has its own way to work because the laws cannot be broken they will go on working and now we have to decide what we choose whether to follow the law or to break it that we have to choose and that will decide our destiny so we will go on with the discussion uh, of the succeeding shlokas which follows in the same line of thought again in the next class with this we stop our discussion today thank you all namaskars yeah apna yeah.